Dissonance Media and the Other Stories presents Step into the abyss of After the Gloaming, a gothic fiction podcast that delves into the depths of human emotion. Unyielding love, revenge, internal struggles, and restless souls await you in nine haunting episodes where dread, fear, and rare glimpses of eerie happiness linger. Dare to listen on your favourite podcatcher? After the gloaming beckons, search now, but beware, innocence will be left behind. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. These aren't the stories your mother told you. No, these are the other stories. <laughs> <laughs> If you've got a podcast or maybe a small business, and I mean even a teeny tiny business, the kind of business that you can operate from the top of a can of Coke, then did you know that you could advertise it here on The Other Stories? We're currently looking for advertising sponsors for our upcoming Halloween week, which is always our biggest time of the year. So get in touch if you want to get involved with that over at theotherstories.net forward slash contact. Also, The Other Stories Best of Collection Volume 1 is now available in ebook and paperback over on all good online retailers. So go click the link in the description of this episode or head over to Amazon or wherever and type in The Other Stories Best of Collection Volume 1. Today's episode is Fixed Point, written by Liam Hogan and narrated by Justin Fife. Look, I said. I I get what you're saying. Some of it, anyways. I don't believe it, but I get it. What I don't get is that. I pointed the end of the plastic trumpet at the mass of pipes and wires humming in the corner of the professor's lab. Are you really trying to tell me that thing is a time machine? Professor Nolan peered at me through glazed eyes and gently swayed. No, he replied. Thank God, I exclaimed. For a moment, I thought you'd gone mad or worse, developed a sense of humor. It's a time anchor. I stared at him, trying to work out if he was serious. His paper hat had begun to tear, an unruly explosion of gray hair poked out through the rip. His glasses were askew, and there was a Rorschach of red wine stain on his rumpled shirt. Oh, what? 
He shrugged. A fixed point in time and space, something a time traveler could latch onto to guide them as they travel back and forth. So, next you build a time machine? I asked, still unsure if I was being taken for a ride. He smiled, a wry, weary smile. Me? No, probably not. I'm not even sure where to begin, and I don't have a lot of time left. So the rumors were true. Christ. The buzz from the lab's annual party went very, very flat. He looked up with sad eyes and answered my unspoken question. Six months, or thereabouts. Sorry, Alex. I didn't want to saddle you with that little bombshell today. Shall we rejoin the party? We did, but the life had gone out of it. Or out of me. It was winding down, anyway. So I made my excuses. As I was leaving, the professor asked me to come see him the next morning. Seeing the pained expression on my face, he was decent enough to amend it to midday. Whether it was my new and unwanted knowledge, or merely the harsh light of day, the professor looked drawn and tired. The thought of alcohol wasn't very appealing, but he insisted on treating me to a pub lunch. In return for listening to an old man's strange request. I figured he was looking for someone to take over his work, but I was far from being his brightest PhD student. I pointed this out to him as we sat not drinking our pints and waiting for the food to arrive. Quite, he agreed to my blunt self-assessment. But that may work out to both our advantages. Tell me, Alex, do you still plan to go into banking? I nodded. They're keeping the offer open for me until I finish my thesis. There was a respectful silence. We both knew my research wasn't going anywhere. I want you to publish a paper for me, he said. I looked at him, surprised. Why? Despite being my PhD supervisor, we hadn't exactly done much work together. He scratched the side of his head. I need to publicize the existence of my time anchor so that any future time travelers know that it exists. I can't publish it myself. I'm too well known and it would attract scrutiny from my peers. But if you do it, it should slip under their radar. I thought you wanted to publicize it, not bury it. He waved a hand dismissively. This is a message to the future, and they'll be suitably intrigued in a paper by a mediocre PhD student, one who never publishes anything else. Detailing not the device itself, that'd be too obvious, but a core component, something that could only be part of a temporal fulcrum. I might have bristled, but I'd long ago come to accept that I was never going to set the physics world alight, and since the paper he was asking me to publish would suffice instead of my moribund thesis, I was more than keen on the arrangement. The paper had been out in the Journal of Physics quarterly review for a month when I got a call from the professor. Come see me, he said. Is this... is it about... I fumbled. Come see me he pleaded, and put down the phone. The time anchor sat humming in the corner, and despite the chaos of the rest of the basement lab, there was a cleared space around it, 
marked by yellow and black striped tape. In the middle of the space, there was a small box, no bigger than a sugar cube. You'll need this, the professor said, handing me a magnifying glass. I walked carefully over to the box and saw that there was writing on it. Eat me, it read, after a meal. Uh, A practical joke, I suggested. The professor shook his head. The doors have been kept locked since I initiated the device, and only I have the key. You think someone from the future has been here and that's all they left? I said doubtfully. No, he replied. I think that was the biggest thing they could send. I looked towards the corner of the room. Shouldn't it be in the device? What? He looked baffled for a moment. Oh, heavens, this isn't a teleportation capsule in some bad science fiction film. The device is simply a reference point. It's virtually solid. Anyone attempting to time travel into it would come to a very sticky end. No, the cube was sent with a precise offset to the anchor. How did they know how big an offset to use, I mused. The professor blinked. Perhaps there's a photo in the archives. Perhaps we should go take that photo and put it in the archives just to be sure. Or perhaps the device may be the whole room is preserved for scientific posterity. Who knows? So, what happens now? I asked. I open up the box, take the pill, and whatever happens next, happens next. How do you know it's a pill? And how do you know it isn't poison that someone in the future isn't trying to stop your experiments? I asked. Time is poison enough for me, he said theatrically. Anyway, it's not poison. Yes, but how do you know? I persevered. I've already taken it, he admitted. I looked at him aghast. And? What do you expect? I felt nothing. I don't know if it's done anything. I don't know if it's a tracer or whether it's supposed to cure me. As yet, it hasn't killed me. Only time will tell, I guess. He called me two weeks later. I'm still dying, he said bitterly. The cancer has shrunk, and the doctors are delighted, but it's not a cure, and it's still inoperable. They've upped my life expectancy to maybe 18 months. Perhaps another pill will come along, I suggested. Perhaps. I can't say that I thought that much about the professor over the next year. So when I got the call from the dean's office, I had a twinge of guilt and was dreading the news I suspected would follow after I'd confirmed that yes, I was an ex-student of the professor's. Even the use of the word ex seemed pretentious. The professor would like it if you paid him a visit, uh, as soon as possible, the dean said. How is he? I asked, momentarily relieved. Not good. He's been working too hard for a man in his condition and won't let up. I don't know why he wants to see you, but if you can convince him to take it easy, well, I'd be grateful. I promised him I would try. The professor looked frail. His mad mane of hair had thinned, and his eyes were dark hollows. Thank you, 
Alex, he said with a catch in his voice. I'm glad you could come. You ought to be here for this. For what? I asked, looking around the lab. Not a lot had changed. The barrier tape was gone, but there was still a clear space around the device. A cleared and currently empty space. He shuffled over to his cluttered desk and extracted a long printout. This is the energy consumption of the anchor, he said, the night the pill arrived. Notice anything? I peered at it. It looked just like random squiggles. The professor stabbed impatiently. There! It wasn't much, just a blip, easily missed. His finger traced back along the page. And there, and there, and... What am I looking at? I asked, baffled. The anchor registered the arrival of the box. But for seven hours before that, there's a peak every five minutes. An echo. A resonance of the impending transfer. Look, it's clearer on this printout. He set free another sheet, and this time the regular and growing spikes in the trace were obvious. I eyed him with suspicion. This isn't the same graph, is it? It's smoother. He nodded, his face lit up in excitement. After I'd isolated the signal, I started, I guess the right term is tuning, the anchor to minimize the noise. It took almost a complete redesign, but it looks like I was successful. Previously, the device was woefully inefficient, and that's why they could only send a single pill. But now, well, the signal is about the weight of a grown man. And Alex, the trace is from today. I looked at him astonished. So, you're about to get a visitor? Yes, in about an hour's time, if my predictions are correct. I knew you'd want to be here. You know, how to work a camera, I presume? He gestured to the camcorder mounted on a tripod. The hour passed with mounting excitement and then another with rather less. I was bored of being slaughtered at chess, and the bottle of single malt whiskey the professor had cracked open shortly before the first hour mark was approaching empty. The professor pulled the latest readout from the monitor. The signal is still getting stronger. I looked over his shoulder at the peaks marching along the page. More than one person? He nodded. Perhaps. But I can't make sense of it. I was sure our visitor was due an hour ago. I ran my fingers along the chart, comparing the peaks against further back along the page, against the time the professor had said it would be a fully grown man. I'd say it's at least a dozen people. A delegation, he said excitedly. Wouldn't that be wonderful, my boy? Think of it, perhaps a, a future Nobel Prize committee come back to bestow their greatest honor retrospectively upon me. Do you think we might need more chairs? Something about the graph clicked. The peaks were getting stronger in a way that had misled the professor, the smartest man I knew. What if it wasn't the single transfer he expected? What if it was the sum of many different transfers, one every five minutes, each hiding behind the last? That would explain why the signal built so slowly. It would still mean the weight of a dozen people or so. But it would also mean 
a dozen more five minutes later, and a dozen after that, and on, and on. The tumbler of scotch slipped from my fingers, crashing to the floor in an explosion of crystal. Professor, turn off the device, I shouted. He looked at me confused. Turn it off? Why? The pill had kept the professor alive just long enough to improve the device. Was that an accident? The best future doctors could do for him? Or a cold and brutal calculation? I remember the quote. The past is a foreign country. They do things differently there. Well, so is the future. And foreign countries don't always have the warmest of relations with their neighbors, especially if those neighbors are busy plundering all of their resources and belching pollution across their respective borders. Turn it off! I yelled again. The air in the lab shimmered and sparked as shadows merged into solid form. But it was too late. Much too late. The first of the soldiers had arrived. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of The Other Stories. Fixed Point was written by Liam Hogan, narrated by Justin Fife, edited by Duncan Muggleton, with music by Blair Moon and Tom Robson, and sound effects provided by freesound.org. The episode illustration was provided by Luke Spooner of Carry On House. For more of Liam Hogan's work, you can head over to happyendingnotguaranteed.blogspot.co.uk. Once again, ebooks and paperbacks are now available of the Other Stories Best of Collection Volume 1, featuring 30 of the show's best stories, grisly horror, mind-bending sci-fi, and thrilling gut-rippers, with a foreword by modern horror extra-orphanaire Michael David Wilson and a cover by the amazing Pi Parr. So go and grab a copy today. If you enjoyed today's episode, you can help support the show over at patreon.com forward slash hawkandcleaver, where you'll now get episodes a week early on top of your extra monthly bonus episodes. You can join our book club, movie club and writing exercises over at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash hawk and cleaver. T-shirts, mugs, posters, comic books and signed hardbacks are available at gumroad.com forward slash hawk and cleaver. And you can get help with your short stories or your podcasts by heading to theotherstories.net forward slash services. The Other Stories is a production of the story studio Hawk and Cleaver and is brought to you with a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license. That means don't change it, don't sell it, but by all means share the hell out of it. So, until next time.